Are you looking for intellectual and personal enrichment, vocational development, or spiritual growth? Atlantic School of Theology offers a range of graduate and diploma programs as well as continuing education events. Learning opportunities via online, hybrid, and on-campus formats are all available, so you can study on campus in Halifax, Nova Scotia, or from anywhere in the world. For more information, visit astheology.ns.ca. Welcome to the Faith Forward podcast series. Faith Forward is a grassroots network dedicated to bringing together leaders of ministry with children, youth, and families for collaboration, resourcing, and inspiration toward innovative theology and practice. Through this series, we'll learn from creative, forward-thinking leaders who are pushing the boundaries and reimagining what it means to follow Jesus' way of love and justice today. Join us as we instigate a revolution of hope in our world. Hello and welcome to the Faith Forward podcast. Uh, I am thrilled that uh, this episode is being sponsored by Atlantic School of Theology. And I'm even more excited because I am here with a colleague and a friend and a co-conspirator for many years, um, Ivy Beckwith. Ivy is a household name in the world of children's ministry. Um, She's been a leading voice in creative and progressive ministry with children for many years. Uh, And her books include Postmodern Children's Ministry, Formational Children's Ministry, and Children's Ministry in the Way of Jesus, which I was honored to co-write with her. Ivy, it's so great to have you here today. Thanks, Dave. It's good to be here. It's uh, This is not something I've done much recently in talking about children's ministry. So it's it's fun to sort of delve back, stick my toe back into those waters. But 10 years ago, it was a very different situation uh, because 10 years ago, our book, Children's Ministry in the Way of Jesus, came out. And so uh, we thought it'd be fun to have a bit of an anniversary of that in podcast form. Uh, it's hard to believe it's been 10 years. Yeah, I know. When you put that in the email to me, I was like, how can it be 10 years? Um, <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, that time has gone quite quickly. And I don't think it's just the weird time warp of the pandemic that's done that. It's just hard to, it's hard to believe it's been 10 years. I think it'd be fun to start by talking a little bit about what our hopes were for that book. And then I really want to, I mean, where I'd really love to talk with you, um, and I kind of feel like we're just having a conversation people are eavesdropping on, um, is how, the, how things have shifted in the field. Um, in in ministry with young people in the past 10 years. But let's start with like, you know, time traveling back to 2013. Well, I think for me, um, I had already done the two books that you mentioned, Postmodern Children's Ministry and Formational Children's Ministry. And I think in my mind, I I see them being sort of progressive, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. that, that- totally. Postmodern is, was kind of foundational and in talking about maybe new ways of thinking about children's ministry in, in the church. And and then formational sort of picked up on some of some more specifics that were in postmodern. 
And then I, then I saw kind of our book as, you know, maybe sort of the pinnacle or the end of the trilogy in some ways in, in not just bringing in my thoughts about the things that we talked about, you know, sort of teaching justice to kids, dealing with um, the church, the whole concept of church's worship and maybe changing that for children. And then, of course, bringing in, you know, your perspective and your ideas um, that it was, at least for me, now you've gone on to write some other things, but at least for me, I saw that as kind of maybe the the, the third piece of the trilogy. I mean, I kind of see it that way as well. Um, and even when we were writing it, I remember when we kind of figured out the the table of contents roughly, we divided, okay, you work on these chapters right. mainly and I'll work on these right. and then we'll swap them back and forth. And I remember um, a, a lot of the chapters I took the lead on were on topics that you had covered more clearly in your your previous books, but we wanted to include. Right. Um, and, and it was a little daunting for me. Um, I mean, your books were really formative for me uh, from the first years of getting involved in children's ministry before even starting to think and write about it, but just on the ground um, at the front lines as a, as a children's pastor and volunteer. And it was a little daunting to think, okay, you know, I, I, I remember rereading your books a couple of times and thinking, so how do we build on this? Because it's already been, um, your work was pretty novel in the field yeah. because of the, without using these terms at the time, because of the progressive, innovative stance it took in a in a world of more conservative um, kind of big box resources. Um, yeah, and and in my what I've done since, I still kind of see children's ministry as the way of Jesus as like the um the broadest. Like if someone was to ask me, what's your vision for children's ministry? That's the book I would point them to because it covered so much. Um, uh, but if, you know, there are certain things that if you like this chapter, go on to read this or this, even someone else wrote something um, that really right. would expand uh, yeah, on what we've done. There have been, yeah, there have been others since my earlier books in this one and, you know, sort of in the world of children's ministry, there certainly have been. I don't know if proliferation is the right word, but there certainly have been more books that have come out dealing with maybe some of the specifics that are in that one or like intergenerational ministry. There's been yeah. several books that have come out about that. Um, there have been some books that have come out about sort of outlining um, really specific church ministries that that in, with children that people could replicate. Um, so, so yeah, it, you know, I mean, I, I think I like to think that what I did, what we did, it was sort of a springboard for those things, mm -hmm. but I suppose you could also look at in some ways, this is what you're saying, you know, children's ministry in the way of Jesus could also be seen as sort of, you know, sort of a guidebook sort of foundational. Mm -hmm. Okay. If you were starting a children's ministry from scratch, these right. might be some of the issues that you want to look at, or these are some of the ideas, or these are the pieces that might want to be included as you look at your setting and look at the particular place where you are in, in working with children. Yeah, yeah. Um, maybe not a great 
ideal metaphor for people who work with children, but it's almost like a flight of beer at a brewery <laughs> that you get a taste of all these important issues sure. without without ordering, uh, you know, one pint of of one flavor. Of each one. Uh, like it's been 10 years. Uh, we've lived through a pandemic. And, and even without that, the ground has shifted. What do you think about, you know, where we've come um, as, a, as a field, as a, as a church and, and practices of, of ministry with children and, and views of the importance of ministry with children have even changed? So what are your thoughts for kind of looking back over the past decade? Well, you know, when we were writing um, children's ministry in the way of Jesus, I was still in local church ministry and I was working in a very progressive Presbyterian church in, in New York City on the Upper West Side. And um, really pretty much had carte blanche to do whatever wow. I wanted. It wasn't a large children's ministry, but um, we had a lot of money. <laughs> so, and, and actually what a problem. My, <laughs> my church prior to um, working, prior to the church in New York City, also was fairly progressive mm. and we also had a lot of money. So I, mm. I was fortunate in those places that I, you know, to be able to experiment and try things and, and do things that, um, you know, maybe other places either I wouldn't have been able to, because there was too much of a box built around what youth children and youth yeah. ministry should look like, or, you know, you're just handicapped by, you know, just funds, which, a lot of churches are, well, this would be a great thing to do. But anyway, so I, that when we were writing the book, I was in local church ministry and also still doing, you know, doing a lot of speaking that had mm -hmm. grown out of, you know, sort of the other two books. So was able to interact with pe other people, even, you know, around the world who, who were um, involved in, in children's ministry. Um, then I moved out, then after the book right. came out, a little bit after the book came out, I moved out of local church ministry into denominational ministry with the United Church of Christ as their faith formation team leader at the national offices, where the best part of my job was going out and meeting with the people in the denomination who were doing children and youth ministry. And um, I, in doing that, I encountered people with lots of excitement for change and for doing new things and for yeah. understanding that the way things had been done for years i hate to use the word work because that makes things sound very sort of pragmatic and that we're only out for you know a certain outcomes or whatever as to whatever yeah. that working means but just the sense that you know how do you know is what we're doing really the best that we can be doing and so had the opportunity to just really, you know, either talk with people about experimentation. I One of the great things I got to do was to find um, churches within the denomination who were doing some really kind of creative things around children and youth ministry and invite other people from the denomination to come in and um, sort of witness it and see, mm -hmm. excuse me, what they were what they what they were doing and to learn from them and so that was um you know just a, a great experience and so i felt like i had sort of a panorama and i felt like things were really sort of i don't know on the ups upswing or that there was yeah. a certain amount of talk about you know doing things differently that's not to say that there wasn't 
still sort of let's just, you know, status quo is just fine, blah, blah, blah. Um, but, you know, we did, I was involved in some faith forward conferences at that point. And, and again, lots of people talking about doing things, changing things and doing things differently and, and looking at expanding horizons. Yeah. Then I, I left the United Church of Christ in um, 2018, um, just about a year, well, a little bit over a year before the pandemic hit. And, um, you know, wasn't really, I had my elderly parents that were living with me and that I was caring for and, um, you know, just really wasn't involved at all. And then the pandemic hit and kind of my first thought when, you know, churches were closing down and, and children's ministries were stopping and so on was, A, I'm glad I don't work in a local church right now. (laughs) And I was also sort of glad I wasn't still working in the denominational offices only because I didn't feel like I was equipped, you know, to sort of figure out what this, you know, what this emergency thing ought to look like. Although I suspect it, it might have been sort of interesting to sort of experiment, do some experimentation and find out what people were doing. But I do know that, you know, people were, you know, doing some creative things as far as, you know, sort of using Zoom or mm-hmm. send home packages with children and so on. My sense, though, then, as in talking to a few people and looking at my own church after, you know, churches started to open back up. And uh, I mean, I realized some churches never closed and never mm-hmm. stopped having, but those were far away from my experience during the pandemic. Um, was that people just didn't, it, it seemed like the pandemic hit, things came to a standstill, and then people didn't come back, or children yeah. didn't come back. And, um, and you know, a lot of it was, I think, due to that, you know, at least in the U.S., kids were like the very last ones to get okayed for the vaccine, mm-hmm. out, of, I, out of precaution, and not because they the government mm-hmm. thought less of children, right, right. Um, but that's true as well. Um, but, um, you know, it just was, and, and families, I think out of precaution as well. I mean, I haven't gone back to church, <laughs> so yeah, yeah. you know, I mean, out of a sense of, I think precaution, the kids were in school, we're back in school and why take another chance? And so that seems to be, at least in a lot of situations, particularly, at least I think in the United Church of Christ in some ways, seems like youth groups haven't had too much trouble sort mm. of starting back up again but children's ministry it just seems like things came to a dead halt as well as in some ways the enthusiasm for trying new things because yes. we can't even get you know we can't even get back to the people who were there when we were doing the old things <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah so how can we even think about sort of changing our worship services or you know stop having worship on sunday morning and having it midweek because more people are going to be available although maybe that's what needed to happen after the pandemic you yeah. know maybe that was the ideal time because people had found other things to do on sunday morning i yeah i, I don't know but Nobody yeah. was, you know, it seemed like it almost seemed in some ways, at least I know with me, that it sort of the pandemic sort of zapped creativity out of people. And yeah. at least 
from my small perspective and and it, it only just feels maybe in the last few months like I've even sort of you know begun to even come out of that a little bit mm-hmm. I mean personally speaking so you know again part of it I think is my own you know sort of personal situation and my father died during the pandemic mm-hmm. not be, not from COVID but just because he was old and um but I still have my mother who turns 92 on Friday yeah. <laughs> you know so but anyway, I don't know. That's sort of a yeah. mixture of what I sort of in my perception as well as sort of how, you know, it, it affected me as well. So. Well, I, I think I think you're right. Like there was I, I, I like I hope that you our book and, and our other projects as well have had some effect um, on this. But what I noticed before the pandemic was this growing I don't know if it's a growing creativity. I have a hunch that the creativity was always there, but but the creative people were finding each other and finding right, new ways yes. to let people know what they were doing. Mm-hmm. I feel like the hold of the big names in terms of resource producers was starting to give as people were saying, I want to do a VBS that's focused on issues of justice in my local community and I have to write it. Right. And yeah. then they shared what they were doing and other people found out about it. Things mm-hmm. like that were happening. And of course, all of that, I don't know if it shut down, it transformed during the pandemic to mm-hmm. now people sharing about what what they're they're doing. But I think the challenge on the other side of the pandemic, you know, you name this difference you've noticed in youth groups being able to get back up and running before children's ministry. I think part of that is just, Th- that there there are different perceptions of youth mm-hmm. and youth ministry and children's ministry that are pretty tenacious. But I also think part of it is like I think of my my nephews. My nephews were six and two when when it like at the beginning of it, and now are nine and five. For that six year old uh, or five year old who who is would now be kind of you know maybe entering some of like the main children's ministry like moving out of the preschool into into some main school age children's ministry type of things um all he knows his whole memory is the pandemic so if his family hadn't gone to church the whole time of the pandemic and now three years on or would start going back he'd have no memory of church he wouldn't know about it and even my nine-year-old nephew you know six to nine is a third of your life and it's pretty formative um and I think for youth group, like if you're 16, you remember pre-pandemic. Right. Of course, yep. you would have mm-hmm. formative years during the pandemic as well. But children's children's ministry, folks who like children who would be in ministry right, right. now, I mean, they they might not even if they were from very faithful, you know, grown up in very faithful families. If if their families kind of didn't come, or even now coming once in a while, like they they're kind of starting from scratch. Um, And so that, I think you're right, like you mentioned, I mean, we talked about this in the book, like if if children are not coming on Sunday mornings, maybe the problem isn't Sunday, isn't that you're not offering the right thing on Sunday morning, maybe the problem is Sunday morning in general. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and, And I think that, like I just heard of a church 
in the United Church of Canada out in British Columbia. And they called, it was just, a, they started as a group of families that got together, I think Sundays at four and was not an official, it wasn't an official church thing at all. And it eventually, they decided to make it an official church. They named themselves Weird Church. I'm like, I love that name. So there is this sense, I think, that there are still pockets of creativity, <laughs> but in a way, the steam that was starting to to be raised in the you know the first five or six years, and and it's not you know there are many other amazing voices that are contributing to this growing movement, but but that that steam that was rising seemed to be depleted, right. um, and and so now we're having to muster up the energy. But I think the other factor something a wise colleague of mine named Jody Clark, who teaches here at Atlantic School of Theology, um, he he does pastoral care and counseling and trauma. Uh, and I remember in the fall of the of 2020, when we thought the shutdown might be two weeks in March. Oh, that was funny. Um, so in the fall, when it, we were going on four or five months, and there was still no sign of opening up, he likened it to a the the pandemic to a plane crashing in your in your town. If a plane crashes outside your town, the town can rally and find people and and help people and take people to hospitals and house people who need to be homed and and things like that and start cleaning up the debris. Um, but it would be like if that plane crashed, and everyone kind of like we're, he said we're really good in a crisis situation. Human beings are really good at rallying together and doing what needs to get done. But it'd be like if the next day another plane crashed. Okay, now we have to do it again. And the next day another plane crashed. Okay, we have to do it again. Like at some point, that that is unsustainable. Right. And so there there was a lot of interesting creativity, uh, creative things happening in those early months. And and it's been three years of plane crashes. Yeah. Day after day after day, yeah. and and people are tired. Yeah. yeah, I think so. I think people are still, you know, I mean, even though essentially, you know, people like to talk about it being over. Uh, I mean, it's not, but we want to think it is. And um, it's, it, it, I think people are in generally are exhausted, emotionally mm -hmm. exhausted, and, and, and they only have so much energy. And, you know, church wasn't necessary, at least in the circles that I was in sort of the last 20 years or so, um, as opposed to when I was in more conservative churches where church right. was more at the top of the priority list. And, you know, the sort of the, the scenes that I have been in in the, say, the last 20 or so years, that's not, it's not to say that that faith and, and believing yeah. in God and following Jesus, et cetera, isn't important, but the actual physical attendance and yes. doing things at church is not necessarily at the top of the priority list when it comes to if your wife is really busy. So, yeah. you know, yeah. I think that the pandemic just sort of amplified that, yeah. um, at and, least for those, those kinds of situations. And, and one thing that I think we totally overlook in, in our book, because it is a book about focused on congregational children's mm -hmm. ministry, um, that got amplified during the pandemic is parents, parents yeah. um, and and families and just how important they are 
um, in 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 the li- the faith lives of their church. I mean, you and I knew that, and we we reference <laughs> it, but we're writing mainly for and and speaking mainly for congregational right. leaders, um, whether paid or volunteer or staff or clergy people who are doing this work with with children in churches. Um, and I think that's where a lot of the creativity I've seen in the past year or two has come out is uh, people recognizing, wow, we didn't realize how unprepared parents were right. to without access to the professionals. Yeah. Well, and, I remember yeah. I remember thinking at the beginning of the yeah. pandemic, I was like, gosh, I wonder if churches are thinking now that, <laughs> that yeah. they should have done more <laughs> yeah. to sort of yeah. train parents to do this. Yeah. Well, and and if I mean, you know, as we defined children's ministry as anything we do to serve children, then uh, especially in in their uh, spiritual formation, but we also looked very holistically. Um, parents are children's ministers. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's and and grandparents are children's ministers. Uh, and I know that in my context, that's a lot of it as well. Is even before the pandemic, it was uh, we had a lot of a lot of churches I would uh, speak with and and got to know. Um, had grandparents bringing grandchildren once in a while. Yeah. And I think that's also something I realized after we wrote that book as well is um, I think if I was to, if we were to update it now, I think there, there'd be more of a, I'd do more of a push on the challenge of the, the, the children who come with friends or with grandparents mm-hmm. and the children who come once a month or once every two months. Right. right. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. and children's ministry for years has not been set up that way. It's been the you know even those that build. It's like well, if you do you remember last Sunday we talked about this. Right. The curriculum like, well, was built that way. Yeah. 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 And now it's it the, the challenge is how do we we have to um, the scaffolding we offer the the gaps between that 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 time has become yeah. much wider. So it's taking us a lot longer to get up to 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 put that next piece of scaffolding on. Right. Yeah, I used to talk prior when I was sort of going out and doing speaking and consulting with churches and things like that. I'd often talk with churches about rather than thinking about their children's ministry sort of as week to week independent units to think about like it as an arc. Yeah. And, you know, that you were dealing maybe with the same story or a same set of Bible stories, but yet you'd come at it like in a different way every week so that those kids who were only there once every six weeks or once a month or whatever, were still sort of getting the same sort of thematic material, the same story, but nothing, but, but yet granted, if they were there for the whole arc, it would have been better, but they would still be getting something meaningful that didn't necessarily build on what had happened the week before or what was going to happen the next week. You know, to sort of to um, as a as a means of sort of servicing the reality of the fact that people don't come every week. Yeah, yeah. I was uh, w- often when I teach about things related to children's ministry in the way of Jesus, I talk about um, you know a couple generations ago, you could go to a Christian bookstore or order from a resource center um, packs of postcards that essentially on the front, it was, we missed you in Sunday school. And the Sunday school teacher would send them in the mail to the students who weren't there. I mean, I think that would, what a great business now, if we could convince people to send them to every child uh, who's who's not there. Um, but I was telling it to my one of my uh, classes once, and two weeks later, 
I got one in the mail because a student said, oh, we never throw out anything in our church. And we actually had a pile of these. Um, and it was, uh, it was quite funny to get to, to receive. Um, but it just shows how far we've come in just a couple generations. A couple generations in the life of the church is not very long. And yet we've gone from an era when, um, when everyone went and, you know, to, to, to when no one does. Uh, or I shouldn't say no, not when no one does. When no, very <laughs> few, very few right. people go regularly, go regularly. Uh, or go every week. But you know what's um, interesting? Let me just throw this out. When uh, the church before I that I served before I was in the church in New York City, the senior minister there was quite numbers oriented. Um, mm -hmm. He was very big on, oh, you know, we need to have every child that's registered, you know, come to Sunday school. And that was never going to happen because this yeah. was a very wealthy church. And every family had three houses. You know, they had the house that they lived in in the town. They had a ski house. They had a house in Florida. They had a house on Nantucket. They had, you know, wow. so they, they had many other places to be rather than the town that they actually lived in. And, you know, so it was, it was next to impossible to have everybody there. I mean, I try, I went against every principle I had because I was trying to do what he wanted me to do right. as far as sort of getting attendance to be more regular. But one of the things that I was kind of surprised about was one, you know, as, as sort of in service of his maniacal thing about numbers, I, um, I, I sent out emails to families that hadn't been there for a while. Um, and just, you know, I didn't try to guilt them because I had tried to actually get the children's ministry committee to send out like little notes, like you were talking about, and they didn't want to do it because they were afraid they would make people feel guilty. Yeah. So, which, so I, I was very careful in these emails not to, you know, I, I mean, if people felt guilty, that's their problem. But I sent out these emails and while it did not, you know, just, we just want to know, we've been thinking about you, hope everything's yeah. good. You know, I mean, and here's what we've been doing, you know, if you want, blah, blah, blah. And while I don't think it really upped our attendance any, I was, I, I was pleasantly surprised at the, I didn't get responses from everyone, but I did get a number of responses back from people mm -hmm. just saying, Oh, it was so nice to hear from you. You know, and again, you know, we've, we've been skiing or we've been at the, you know, the China, the China Olympics, you know, or something or whatever. I mean, this is where these people were, you yeah, know, yeah. but, um, but I mean, people were generally, I, I, you know, genuinely, at least the one, again, the ones I heard pleased to have been thought of. Yeah. It did not translate into, you know, Oh, let's not go skiing this weekend and go to church instead. But, so I, I guess what I'm saying is, you know, it might be something in the toolbox to not forget about totally. those people. And I don't think you were saying that, but no, 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 yeah, yeah. no. Um, but I think that that's, that's a perfect example of, especially post pandemic, how, um, you know, children's ministry in the way of Jesus needs to be even less riddled with guilt and not mm -hmm. we're not talking i'm not talking just about like you know atonement substitutionary atonement right, guilt right, and right. things i mean like the, the the guilt of you are still a part of our church right even right. if you come once a quarter right we right. still want to see you whenever you're here mm -hmm. you know it's and and um i i think that it it does radically change 
our not just uh I don't think it changes our goals for ministry if our goals are to help children, you know, love God and love other people. Mm-hmm. Um, but it does change how we go about doing that. There's this discussion about uh, like, does, does the community lead to the commitment to the church or does commitment in church lead to the, the community and right. the relationships? And, and I don't think we can um, find a formula but it does mean we need to recognize that people's relationships with the church and with one another are are different now. Right. I don't even know how that would radically alter. Um, I I know it would radically alter, but I, it's hard to even imagine the 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 concrete ways that that would shift mm-hmm. um, some of the some of the even progressive ways of doing children's ministry right. that relied on that pre-pandemic families are coming right just to before we finish up our conversation i want to go back so our our book came out in 2013 i want to back up even one more year to the very first faith forward conference before (laughs) it was called faith forward when it was supposed to be a one-time thing called children youth and a new kind of christianity i remember you telling me a story about being with a bunch of people i think it was at that conference um uh, and someone, uh, you were talking about children's ministry, you were a, a keynote speaker at that event, and I remember you saying, someone asked you, so what does children's ministry in Ivy Beckwith's church look like? Uh, the, the assumption being it must look just like it does in your books. Um, <laughs> but the reality you and I both know is that you know the, the challenge of children's ministry is typically you, whether you're staff or volunteer, you have senior pastors. You have mm-hmm. uh, boards and deacons and session or whatever you might call it in your tradition um, that and parents that have expectations. And so I also have learned, going back to that, that story, um, I've also learned the importance of, of being very savvy and wise mm-hmm. in how you move from a reality to a dream that you might have for children's mm-hmm. ministry. Um, I know a lot of people that have, myself included at times, that have moved too quickly mm-hmm. from what exists to what one hopes would exist. Mm-hmm. And people did not come along right. um, as quickly. And, and uh, you know, in retrospective, I would say, well, of course, you know, 20 years ago, I'd say to 20 years ago, Dave, of course they wouldn't have. Um, yeah, so I wonder uh, if, if you would uh, reflect on that um, or have if you had advice for listeners who want to live in that tension but still make movement of uh still still have good movement toward the, their dream for children's ministry um when they might be starting at a reality that's very different from that dream yeah i think you have to um a couple of things i i think you have to sort of be very careful as you're working within sort of you're right. Any church is going to have boundaries and, you know, most churches are not going to be ready to, especially now to make sort of the big changes around, you know, sort of when worship services are held, structure of worship services, um, uh, those kinds of things, intergenerational ministry, which is some of the things that we that we talked about, even sort of yeah. sometimes the, the justice issues, but totally to sort of find those places where you can in, insert some things, you know, that are, that are, that 
involve parents more, that pull mm. the generations together, maybe in already existing programs, maybe in vacation Bible school. I mean, one of the things that I used to do, and this was in a smaller church, this was a hundred years ago, back in my very first church, I served full-time all by myself in children and youth ministry, um, was that during the summer, and this, I'm sure other people have done this as well, but I mean, I, I was back then I was even thinking about intergenerational ministry. So instead of so during the summer, instead of having regular Sunday school for adults and kids separately, I might have had a special adult class for people who didn't want to do this, but I did an intergenerational Sunday school and people right. actually came, right. you know, I mean, it was just the summer and it was, of course, the families with kids came, but people without kids came, older people, yeah. grandparents, yeah. you know, and I was actually very sort of surprised at that. And it went amazingly well now I, that wasn't going to ever expand in that particular church in that particular time frame to beyond the summer but it was a start you know it got yeah. people thinking of the fact that oh you know i can i can do things and i can meet the children in this church that i hardly ever see and this is kind of fun in the summer mm. <laughs> you mm -hmm. know so yeah. you can you know and there was no curriculum written at that point nothing i had to find my own stuff that i used so I think, you know, you have to sort of be creative about sort of looking at these things. But I also think that you need to, you need to find people, you need to find whoever your leadership people are, your children's ministry committee, your CE committee, your ministry team, whatever, and start talking with them about some of the things, some of the possibilities that excite you about what could happen, what's yeah. a possible, you know, what, what are the possibilities? And you need to sort of you know, either give them books to read or have, you know, sh discussions around even a paragraph out of a book that you like or something yeah. as, a, as part of your meeting so that, you know, sort of beginning to sort of cast the vision. If it's a multiple staff church, maybe, you know, to sort of try to cast the vision with your senior minister, if at all possible. Now, you know, I've had senior ministers where that was possible. I've worked with senior ministers where that wasn't possible because they mm -hmm. had, you know, a certain box. And that's when you have to sort of, you know, figure out how to be creative within that certain within box. the box, within yeah. the box. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So so I, I think it's a, a it's an it's unless you're going to start from scratch, you know, and sort yeah. of build it, you're you're always going to have to be sort of living in two worlds one the sort of okay here's 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 a place where maybe i could use part of the children's ministry time when it's appropriate to use a children's book that illustrates a historical event that illustrates what jesus was talking about in this particular yeah. story or parable or whatever you know, that sort of brings it into modern times. And that's just a small thing, but it, it sort of is a beginning of, okay, how do I talk about justice with kids in, you know, the, what, what, where are we? 21st century, you know, U.S. and Canada. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, so finding just those little places where you can, you can begin to insert stuff and, and talk up, you know, start to, if you would like to do, maybe have an intergenerational worship service once a quarter or something, start talking about it with your ministry team. Talk about it with the leadership of the church. And it may not happen for a year, 
but maybe gradually you'll find a spot that where it would really be it would really work well on a particular Sunday and you do it and the other thing I think and this is where I sort of I I think I ran into troubles uh, at least in one church and again it was part partially the senior minister was don't let remind people that even if it's not perfect the first time you do something it's not a failure you know you it's you it's something that you build on that you're learning how to do. And sure, people, there are always going to be people who don't like something who are going to complain or, yep. you know, so you change it and fix things. I mean, I went from, um, you know, family Christmas Eve services. I'm not a huge fan of, but when I was in places where I had to start doing them, um, I thought, okay, well, at least here's a place to experiment with what mm-hmm. intergenerational services look like. You know, it may not be anything but parents and children. It may not draw in other mm-hmm. um, people from the church, but at least it's a place to begin to experiment with the technique. Yeah. And so I kind of learned how to do these. But one of the things I learned when I went from one church to the next church was something that worked in... Right didn't didn't work at the other church so i yeah. but i didn't see that family christmas eve service as a failure i just didn't do it the next year <laughs> yeah, you know? yeah. i said okay we're not doing that again if so many people disliked it so you know it's not it's it's not going to be perfect the first time you try this i guess is yeah. what i'm saying and that's okay but the the attempt is what matters the attempt is what matters yes. yeah it's been so great to catch up and I to know. talk about um, children's ministry in the way of Jesus, you know, not capitalized, just not just about our book, but in general, what mm-hmm. what this experiment in children's ministry um, looks like uh, ten years out after after having been uh, kind of focused on a common project together to to think and talk and hopefully invite some other people into the, into the discussion. Um, so thank you, Ivy, for for joining me. Um, thank you to Atlantic School of Theology for sponsoring this episode. And thank you to everyone uh, who uh, took the time to to listen to us reminisce and and talk talk about all sorts of things related to children's ministry. Thanks for tuning in to the Faith Forward podcast series. If you want to learn more from creative thinkers and innovative leaders, be sure to subscribe or visit faith-forward.net.